matter of fact, Avi, as you come, let's, let's just stretch that hand out towards him and ask God's anointing. Father, in Jesus' name, pour your spirit all over Avi. Use him mightily. Use him powerfully. We thank you, Lord, for how you've just uh, been speaking in him and through him these past few nights. And we ask that you will bless him and use him as your servant, not only in Israel, but right now here at New Life. Use it here in our service, over the internet, and all that are watching. And Father, if any in Israel are watching, uh, we say shalom to them as well. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we bless you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Avi, would you come? And also, let's give it up for Steve Strubing. Strubing, they say it right? Stand up. Steve, come on, stand up. Amen. He kept me up till almost 1 o'clock this morning talking. So we, but we survived it. Didn't we? Sorry, he's awesome. All right, brother. Love you, man. Wait, wait, Pastor. I have um, a small gift I brought you this morning. Another, every night he's giving me a gift. Yeah. I, I already have the watch that runs backwards he gave me. And this morning I woke up with a headache. And I'm trying to read this thing. On, but it's working. It's awesome. And I, it's I, not backwards. just a countdown until he comes back. Yeah, right, but it runs, it runs counterclockwise. It's the Hebrew way. <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> well, I would like to give you this gift. It's not ticking. a bomb. It's, it's not ticking. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Okay. So, go ahead and open it. It's wrapping paper. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. Oh, it's very special. It is. And it's a temple menorah. It's a, you can see the city of Jerusalem with the menorah, but it's very special because it says Yeshua. Ah. Jesus. From right to left. And of course, yeah. it's, uh, the right way. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, of course, you will not get it anywhere in Israel because, you know, Jews don't, in general don't believe in Jesus and definitely will not they will put it on the mm-hmm. menorah. But for us as believers, Yeshua is the light of the world. Amen. 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 So, Thank you, my brother. So my prayer is that the light of Yeshua will continue to shine through you mm. and your wife and your family. Mm, thank you, Jesus. And your congregation and your church. Amen. 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 The ends of the world. Amen. 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 Give it up to the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> amen. That's beautiful. Anybody wants to touch it later? Oh, I get the bag too. Yeah. Wow. It's not on. I don't know how to turn it on. Is it on now? Did everyone hear what he had to say a minute ago? Yeah. Wow. It worked anyways. Must be. Shalom. So good to know you all speak Hebrew here. I'll have Pastor Tim to translate everything, okay? Anyhow, it's good to be with you, and I'll tell you what we're going to do today. Uh, in a minute, we're going to show the, in a second, we're going to show the video. Hope you're, we're ready with the video. And basically, we are going to take you to the city of Jaffa, Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv Jaffa is the one city today, and uh, we'd like to show a little bit uh, the challenges we have in Tel Aviv, 
uh, Jaffa, and uh, from there we'll go to the Word of God. Okay? So can we show the video? Thank you. In the book of Acts, in the city of Jaffa, the apostle Peter had a vision. This vision ultimately led Jewish believers to share the gospel of Jesus with people of all nations all over the world. As the Christian church became increasingly non-Jewish and tragically even anti-Jewish, its roots were largely forgotten. This sad fact led to great persecution of the Jewish people, resulting in great Jewish resistance to the gospel. Now, nearly 2,000 years after Peter's vision, the gospel is coming back to Israel, even back to the very place where Peter's vision occurred. The city of Jaffa is now included in the larger city of Tel Aviv, home to over three million Israelis. Very few know the good news of their own Messiah. Tel Aviv is expected to grow significantly in the coming decade, making it a prime spiritual gateway to all of Israel. Dugit Ministries, a ministry of Jewish believers in Jesus, labors to bring the gospel back to the people of Israel, back to the people from whom we trace the human ancestry of Jesus himself. Operating out of rented facilities, Dugit has served the people of Tel Aviv faithfully. In spite of resistance to the gospel, the Israeli government's negative view of messianic ministries and the exorbitant cost of real estate in the city. All of this has led to complications in finding a rooted home for this ministry to take place. Dugit now has the opportunity to purchase a permanent location right in the heart of Tel Aviv. This will allow Dugit to focus on their evangelistic efforts and no longer be subject to eviction. This new home will cost $1.5 million. Without the option of borrowing money in Israel, Dugit must raise the entire sum from supporters like you within 2014. The Bible says that those who bless Israel will be blessed. Shalom, I'm Avi Mizrahi, director of Dugit Ministry in downtown Tel Aviv, Israel. I want to thank you for helping us to put our roots down deep in the heart of our nation's largest city, Tel Aviv, Israel. As you can see, our need is great and our time is very short. If you ever consider donating to Dugit or ever considered blessing Israel, let me encourage you, this is the time, the time is now. You know, in Romans 9, the Apostle Paul says that he is grieved for his lost Jewish brethren, that he will even give up his own salvation to see them saved. It's hard for me to imagine giving up my own salvation for anyone. I'm not asking you to give up your salvation for the people of Tel Aviv, Israel. I'm not even asking you to move to Tel Aviv. But I'm asking you if you would prayerfully consider to write a check and give us a donation for the Gitz effort right here, this time, here in the land of Israel. So please help us in such time as this to bless Israel for the kingdom of God. Thank you so much and God bless you. Shalom. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10.
And what I want to do is, I'd like to take you on a journey. If we can just go on a time machine and go 2,000 years back. Can we do that for the next few minutes? So it means no cars, only camels, no cell phones, smartphones, free from computers. Yeah. Everything is manana. You know what manana means? There's time, we can do it. What we can do today, we can do tomorrow. Everything is slow motion. That wonderful? So don't worry about the watch, just throw it, we'll here be for the next few hours, that's okay? <laughs> and, uh, what, and oh, before I forget, after the service, go by the table, we have our uh, magazine, so you can read the wonderful stories that happened uh, during the war and testimonies, and uh, read more what's happening, so please, it's free. So just go by the table and take as many as you, as you want. And uh, please take even extra so I don't have to take any with me back home to Israel, okay? So, uh, and if you don't receive our newsletter, feel free to sign up and we'll be glad to send you freely every month. So, I'm going to ask Stephen, my dear brother, to read from, because his English is much better than mine. So, I'm going to ask him to read from Acts chapter 10, from verse 1 to 8. Please come. <clears throat> Now in Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. He was a devout man, revering God with all his household. He gave donations generously to the people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? The angel said to him, Your prayers and offerings have gone up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, also named Peter. He is being entertained as a guest by Simon the Tanner, whose house is beside the sea. When the angel speaking to him had left, he called two of his servants and a soldier from among those attached to his command. After he explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, Joppa, Yafo in Hebrew, means beautiful. Okay, it was an old port. And this, this chapter comes after, remember, Peter was first of all in Jerusalem. They had a great revival. Then he went down to Jaffa, to the port of Israel. And because there was a lady by the name of Dorcas, Dabita, you know, she died. And what did he do? He prayed for her and raised her from the dead. So they had a great revival in Jaffa, at the port of the country. So after they had a great revival, okay, meanwhile something was happening in another city called Caesarea with this Italian captain, which is another city. So all, while this was happening with Cornelius, things were happening in Jaffa with Peter. So after they had a great revival and they had a great time, great meeting, he was hungry. So they didn't have, in those days, drive-in McDonald's. It took a while to prepare something. So while they were, they were preparing food, Peter went on top of the roof. Now I know that if I did this on the top of the roof here, you'll think I'm cuckoo. But you see 
How many of you have been in Jaffa, in Israel? Okay, you've been in Israel, wonderful. For those who haven't been, I encourage you to come. You will love it. The weather is beautiful, nice and warm. And it's very safe. I guarantee you. So I just want to encourage you to come because the Bible will become alive to you when you do that. But then what's so special about Jaffa, it's port. It's, until today, it's a very old port. And uh, you have those houses just above the port, and they have roofs, flat roofs. So if you really want to enjoy, and it's a hot day, you want to enjoy the breeze, you will come on top of the, on the roof and just enjoy the breeze from the sea. So I can see Peter going on top of the roof, enjoy the, the breeze of the sea, and looking down at the port, and what does he see? All these fishermen just coming back from their catch. Now what was Peter? A lawyer? He was a fisherman. So I could see him standing like this, looking down, and saying, hey, you got good fish, Moshe. Great for you. Hey, Avi. What? Oh, you, you didn't get any fish because you have holes in your net. You better fix that. Come on. <laughs> and he's just having a great time. And meanwhile, he's saying, is the hamburger ready yet? <laughs> oh, I'll take them forever. I'm going to go and pray. So while my brother is going to read the passage of the, ne- the next passage from verse 9 to 9, 16, I will prepare myself for prayer. Okay? So just listen to the word while I'm getting ready as a Jew to pray. The next day, as the soldiers were traveling and approaching the city, Peter went up to the rooftop to pray at about the sixth hour. Now he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet coming down, lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all sorts of four-footed animals and reptiles and birds of the air. A voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Certainly not, Lord, for never have I eaten anything unholy or unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time, What God has made clean, you must not consider unholy. This happened three times, and the sheet was immediately taken up to heaven. Thank you, Stephen. I'm having a problem with this microphone. It's not kosher enough for him, I guess. Okay. So, let's say it again. Peter is praying. Meanwhile, something is happening in Cornelius. Then Cornelius sends those Roman soldiers to Jaffa. So let me uh, quickly dramatize it, just for a few seconds, how Peter is acting throughout this. So here is Peter, very serious, praying. Of course, in Hebrew. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Hechad. And he sees this white sheet with white animals, and a voice telling him, kill and eat. And he goes, no way, Jose, this is unkosher. This cannot be God. I'm going this corner. This is more holy here. I'm praying. Please don't disturb me, okay? Don't interrupt me. This is serious business here. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. What is this? 
again, right sheet, voice say, kill and eat. No way. This is not kosher. I'm not going to touch this. This is cannot be against the scriptures. This, this is off. I rebuke you, Satan. I know I'm a little bit paraphrasing, but I want you to understand what went through him, Peter, during this time as a Jew. I'm going to stick here. This is the holy spot right here. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Abba, B'Shem Adonai. What? This is the third time upon two witnesses it shall be established. This is not three times the same thing unheard of. This cannot be God. God will not do against our traditions, traditions of man. Now that's, I, this, is, this is crazy. Now, while he was thinking all this, verse 17, while Peter was wandering with him, he said, what is this vision that he had just seen? Cornelius, the soldiers, remember that Cornelius sent? He made inquiry where Simon's house, and they stood at the gate, and they called whether, you know, Simon Peter is there. And uh, verse 19, while Peter brought thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, this Holy Spirit had to speak to him again because he was too busy thinking about it. Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down. Why is he telling him go down? He was on the roof still. Go down into the house, doubting nothing because I have sent them. Now just think for a moment. Peter is on top of the roof and he's staying with his family, this beautiful family, are preparing food, and they hear a knock on the door. So they don't open the door, they just open this small window, you know, the door. And they look and they see a Roman soldier. They're like, oh, we have a Roman soldier. So they go, what do you want? Well, we're looking for Simon Peter. Okay, wait there. Simon, get down here. What have you done this time? There's a, there's, there's a Roman soldier at the door. You, you're getting us into trouble all the time. You, Peter, you always get us in trouble. So Peter's going down after the Holy Spirit told him, doubting nothing. So they haven't opened the door yet. So he's opening it. Yeah, this is a Roman soldier. What do you want? Yes, I'm Simon Peter. What do you want? Are you Simon Peter? Yes, I am. That's what he says. And then they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man. Italian? A righteous man? Yeah, sure. One who fears God. Which God? Our God? Yeah, sure. Has good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. Really? That's a surprise. Was divinely instructed by the holy angel. Angel? Come on. An angel will appear to Romans, soldiers, a captain in Caesarea from all cities. Just to let you know. Caesarea was not a Jewish city. It was named after Caesar. The Roman navy was there. The headquarters of the army. You know, and they had a temple. Not like we have the temple in Jerusalem of God. But they had the temple of Zeus. I mean, they are pagans. 
You know, Jews, we don't go there. The only reason we, we may go there is just to sell some goods and some merchants, you know, to those Roman soldiers. But we don't go there unless we were forced to go there to jail. So Peter was, didn't want to sell them anything and definitely didn't want to go there to jail. So after this is happening and they're telling the story, they, verse 23, he invited them in. Wow, he let those Roman soldiers in. Can you believe it? And lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them. And listen to this. Some brethren from Jaffa accompanied him. Let me explain to you. I can see all these Jewish brothers from Jaffa. After there's such a great revival, such a great time. And now Peter is going to Caesarea. And his friends are saying, Peter, don't go there. This is an ambush. Don't go there. But I have to go. God instructed me. And, 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 and this Cornelius must be a special man, an angel. I have to go there. So they say, okay, Peter, we'll go with you. We will be your bodyguards. Just in case. Peter, don't worry. I brought my knife. <laughs> we'll be your bodyguards. Just in case those Italians, we don't trust them. They'll attack you. We'll be there to protect you, Peter. You are not going by yourself. We're going to be your bodyguards. That's right. So Peter said, okay. I'll go. So with my bodyguards, and there was no Highway 66. They had to take the camels. Well, they, they were not so wealthy, so they didn't have camels. So I had to walk all the way to the city of Caesarea. It took a while, but they made it. So when they arrived to Caesarea, what happened? Okay, let's continue the story. So, um, when he comes to Caesarea, and it says this, that uh, as verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted up, saying, stand up, I myself also a man. Let me quickly clarify this. You see, Cornelius, he knows the customs of the Jewish people. A Jew will not enter to a gentle home. Why? Because if he did that, he is unclean, not kosher. So, Cornelius probably... When he saw Peter coming in, he came out of his house and welcomed Peter. And then what did he do? Totally strange to Peter. He just bowed down. And Peter's like, whoa, what are you doing? You are captain of the Italian army. You are bowing down to me. I'm not the god. Get up. What is this? See, Peter is totally in shock. He doesn't understand what's going on here. So Cornelius very gently tells him the story and takes Peter into his house. And Peter is still in shock of what's going on here. He's entering a Gentile pagan's house. Now he's unclean. Hey, wonderful. Good. So he's walking into this house. And then look what he says uh, in verse um, uh, 28. Then he said to them, You know, How unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man unclean. Kosher. So now he gets the understanding of this vision that he received three times in Jaffa. Hello? You're with me? Good. So he goes, therefore, without objection, soon as, uh, as you sent for me, I ask, for what reason have you sent for me? In other words, he still doesn't have the full revelation. Why? Okay, let me give you the background. 
Until now, we are in the first century, and the, the temple wasn't destroyed yet, okay? They received the Holy Spirit. Who, who were the mother church, or the mother congregation, shall I call it? Jerusalem. And who are the ones who received the Holy Spirit? Who are the ones that were just Jews? Exclusive club. Gentiles, not allowed. I mean, we are 2,000 years later, we are very smart, but just think what happened there to Peter because as far as he's concerned the gospel and Jesus is the king of the Jews and he came for the Jewish people to save the lordship of Israel set to that's it, finished so he's still saying now, what do you want from me why did you call me from Jaffa I was having a great revival there you call me to this city Caesarea Ugh. So what does Cornelius do? He starts explaining the whole thing. Verse 30. Four days ago I was fasting. You were fasting? Italians fast? No way. You're soldiers. You fast? Oh, that's interesting. So he continues to tell him I was praying, blah, blah, blah. An angel came and an angel came. Uh-huh. What colors did he have? I'm just teasing. But I could see Peter totally it's, it's blown out. Blown, how do you say? Blown his mind? Blown away. Blown away. Blown away. I'm getting those English terms. American terms. Anyhow, I send immediately. And, and therefore, we all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. You want to hear me? You want, you want me to tell you about our God? Oh yes, I forgot, you're, Gen- you're Gentiles, Italians, you don't have the Torah. You see, we Jews, we have the Torah. We have the scriptures, we have the holy scriptures, we have the prophets. Now, you know, now I perceive. So then verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, now I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Wow, now I understand this. The word which was sent to the children of Israel preaching what? Peace, shalom. Remember I talked about shalom two nights ago? Preaching peace, shalom. Preaching shalom, three, a peace, through Jesus Christ. Now the Hebrew word there is Yeshua HaMashiach. Well, let me explain to you. Of course in, his, in English, his name is Jesus. comes from the Greek word Jesus. But in Hebrew, the word is Yeshua. What does Yeshua mean? In Hebrew, Yeshua means Savior. And Christ in Hebrew is Mashiach, Messiah, the Anointed One. You see, when they saw Jesus far away, they didn't say Jesus Christ. They say Yeshua HaMashiach, the Savior, the Anointed One. The one that we've been waiting according to the prophets. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that man. And here he is, the Lamb of God. What did John say when he saw him? Behold, the Lamb of God. We take the sin of the world, which we've been waiting generations after generations. Here he is, finally. So, Peter is excited. Okay? And then what does he say? He is Lord of all. 
Let me explain to you. Until this point, this Yeshua, even you know, the Roman soldiers when they crucified him, what did they put on the top of the cross? King of the Jews. Melech Hayudim, King of the Jews. You see, suddenly he realized that there is no partiality. In other words, suddenly Peter, the Jew, realized that there is no first class, second class. Suddenly he realized that we are all Jews and Gentiles, male or female. We are all what? First class in the kingdom of God. Is that wonderful? Hallelujah. Suddenly he gets this full revelation and now Peter is excited. Now he's teaching Torah. You know, now many times when I say Torah, people don't understand because they think, oh, that's a bunch of laws. Well, let, let me explain to you how we Jews see the Torah, the five books of Moses. In fact, we don't even call the word Old Testament. We call it Tanakh, which is abbreviation for Torah, the five books of Moses, the prophets, and the Nevim, Ketuvim, and the writings. So as far as we are concerned, the Old Testament is the holy writings that is instructions, not a bunch of laws, but instructions for us and the prophecies and the writings that the prophets wrote. And it was all talking about it one day, one man will come and fulfill it. Amen? And his name is? Yeshua, Jesus. Amen? So here's Peter. He's having a great time. He's saying, oh, I'm going to teach those Italians, those Romans. I mean, they don't know anything. I'm just going to have a great service, and I'm going to teach them and have a great time. And he did. Now, after all this was happening, and he was sharing all this, while Peter was preaching, what happened in verse 44? God interrupted. While Peter was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all, all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Now, who are those guys? Remember those bodyguards with a knife? Remember? Those bodyguards, they were just with the people and just watching, guarding Peter, and Peter's having a great time, and then his friends, the Jewish guys, are saying, and they hear those Italians Doing what? Speaking in tongues because the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they are astonished. How could this happen? And Peter is just continuing, is having his great preaching. And then what did they do? They said, Peter, time out. What? The Holy Spirit is fell on them. Come on. It's no way, Jose. Come on. What's wrong with you? Don't, don't disturb me. I'm having a great speech. So he's continuing. And they say, time out. What? They're speaking in tongues. No. No. Let me listen. They are. They're speaking in tongues. Unheard of. How could this happen? This is totally out of ordinary. Why? Let me tell you the proper order. If the Holy Spirit will fall, it will fall in my congregation in Jerusalem. Secondly, this is the proper order. You see, according to our traditions, 
When you sin, first of all, you repent. I mean, until Jesus, we had to bring sacrifices. That was the first thing. After you bring sacrifices and the blood make atonement, then you go and dip yourself and immerse yourself. So Jesus came. He became our atonement. So first of all, you repent and accept him as your Savior and Lord. Secondly, you are baptized in water. And then you have to wait 50 days until Shavuot, the Pentecost, so the Holy Spirit can come, the first fruit. That's the proper order. God has messed up this whole order now. (laughs) He bypassed my plans. You think I'm teasing you. Right, Right here, as they heard them, they heard them speak with tongues in verse 46. Peter said, verse 47... Can anyone forbid water that this should not be baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? We better, we better baptize them because they already received the Holy Spirit. Yes. Then what does it say? They asked him to stay a few days with them. And I'm sure they had a wonderful time. Something new has happened. The Holy Spirit fell even in that city called Caesarea. (laughs) Now you think I'm teasing you? Do you know that Peter got into trouble? You don't believe me? He likes to, he loves to get into trouble. But this time, he got into trouble with the apostles in Jerusalem. Chapter 11. Then the apostles and their brethren who were in Judea from Jerusalem, and they heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of the Lord. So when Peter came up to Jerusalem, to the mother church, isn't that wonderful? Those of their circumcision contended with him and said, what did they say to him? You went into the uncircumcised men and ate with them in Caesarea. Shame on you. I'm paraphrasing it, Okay. The Jewish, Jewish culture, you know, we always have a good Jewish mother that has a good finger and she does shame on you. Bad boy. He got into trouble. But then Peter said, okay guys, listen, Apostle, listen. Just, just hold on. Before you judge me, just listen what I have to say. What does he do? He tells them what happened. He tells them the whole story. The vision in Jaffa three times. Going to Caesarea, Cornelius, angel. Oh, and it's telling all. And then tells how the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And as Peter tells them this whole testimony, what happens? Then they say, wow. God is Lord of all. Jesus is not only the king of the Jews, but he is the Lord of all peoples who call upon his name. I thank God for Peter. I thank God that Peter, that always got into trouble, but what's most important is this Peter we call him Kefa in Hebrew. This Peter said yes to God and decided 
to obey God and follow his voice. And he was willing to say no to the tradition of man. How many of us would say, yes, I will go. Lord, wherever you say, wherever you tell me, I'll go. Haiti or Timbuktu, I'll go. And say, yes, Lord. And say, may, it may not be according to our traditions or whatever, but I will follow you, Lord Jesus, to the ends of the earth. And preach what? Shalom, peace. The peace of God. That can come only through who? Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Yesterday, last night, I shared with you my testimony. And I shared with you about, you know, how a Jew like me, born in Jaffa in Tel Aviv, that was raised Jewish, and uh, later on went to the army and so forth, how I came to the States and I accepted Yeshua, Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. So I hope you really enjoyed it last night, so I will not repeat that. Amen? But the point is this, that now we are 2,000 years later of what happened in the book of Acts. The gospel has come out from Jerusalem, the mountains of Judea, Samaria, to Jaffa, from Jaffa, the port city, which was always called the port of Jerusalem, from Jaffa, Tel Aviv, to Caesarea, and then from Caesarea to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we know the gospel has reached Indiana. Amen. <clears throat> but what's happening now is that after 2,000 years, the Jewish people, as I read to you from Ezekiel 36, the Jewish people have been dispersed for almost 2,000 years. The Jewish people are back in the land. And the gospel who went to the nations through 12 crazy Jewish disciples, they went all over the world to preach the gospel to the nations. Now, the gospel is returning back home. Hallelujah. We live in exciting, exciting times. And I shared with you last night how the body was so small, the body of Christ, the body of believers in the land of Israel. We were very few believers. And how even in the last two decades, we have seen the body of Christ growing. We have seen more Jews, more Arabs come to the Lord like we have never seen before. We live in exciting times. And I'd like to conclude with Isaiah 19. I have another, I believe, few minutes left. I'd like to share about Isaiah 19. You know, at home, I'm not going to read all of it. <clears throat> You're welcome to read it at home. But in Isaiah 19, it talks about the Middle East. And definitely, I believe we live in this time. For example, it starts in Isaiah 19, the burden against Egypt. And then it talks about uh, uh, verse 2, I will set Egyptians against Egyptians, everyone will fight against his brother and everyone against his neighbor, city against city, kingdom against kingdom. And as you read this, you think, oh, I just saw it on CNN, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in uh, uh, the January 2011. We're talking four years ago. 
That's exactly when the Arab Spring started. That's exactly when you read this and you, you watch the news, you say, oh, this is that. This is true. Totally turmoil. But it's always good. I encourage you always to read the end of the chapter. Because we need to know how it ends up. And you know what? It ends up good. <laughs> so, to make a long story short, the, in the end of the chapter it says, in verse 23, I mean Isaiah 19, verse 23, In that day there will be highway from Egypt to Assyria. The Assyrian will come into Egypt and the Egyptians into Assyria and the Egyptians will serve the Assyrians. In that day Israel will be one of three. Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land. So God is saying, I have the last word. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to shake all these countries, not just Egypt, but Assyria. By the way, Assyria is not just Syria. The kingdom of Assyria included Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, some of um, Iran, okay, and Saudi Arabia. So the whole area there was the kingdom of Assyria. So God is saying from Egypt all the way to Assyria, I'm going to take all these peoples with Israel and I'm going to make them one. And they will all know me. How is this possible? Oh, I know, through Muhammad the prophet. I'm just checking I'm in the right meeting. This is the right place. There is only one way. And his name is Yeshua. Jesus. Why? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him alone. Amen? Let me quickly clarify something. We Jewish believers, we always fellowship with Arab believers. You will not hear it on CNN tonight. But let me tell you, when we, heard, we have been, there is a movement called Isaiah 19 Highway, and we have been for the last 10 years, Jewish and Arab believers from the whole Middle East, we will meet and pray together and take communion. And the Lord put in our hearts, because of what we read this, that we need to go to Egypt. If there is a turmoil going on, we need to go there and establish an altar. Why? Because it is written in that chapter in the middle there, that there will be an altar in the midst of Egypt. And the Egyptians have been praying for that, for that moment. So guess what? When this started... Me and other Jewish pastors from Israel, we took a flight from Tel Aviv. We flew to Cairo, and we met with the Egyptian believers, and they took us to the desert. You know, you, I don't know if any of you have been in Cairo. It's a nice city, but you come out of Cairo, all you see is sand, sand, and more sand. <laughs> desert. So they took us to the desert, and they bought some land. They call it Bible land, and they put walls around to protect it, and they dedicated this to the Lord, and they said, we are building a house of prayer, and we have been waiting for you Jewish believers to stand with us and build an altar. I said, okay. So we got bricks, and here we are Jews, Israelis, and Egyptian, Arabs, and we sit, and we build a small altar, and we put Isaiah 19 on top of it, and we put oil as, an, as a prophetic act, and we said, Lord... We pray in the midst of all this turmoil and the earth spring and all this happening in Tahrir, Cairo. We pray you establish this altar and may the Egyptians take hold of prayer and change their country. And as we did that, then we went as believers. We, we prayed together. We took communion together. We washed it as a feet. I don't have time to tell you all the things that happened. And we encouraged one another. And then we flew back home to Tel Aviv and celebrated Passover. We came out of Egypt. We celebrated Passover. <laughs> Meanwhile, 
the Egyptian believers start taking prayer very seriously. So suddenly they have now a house of prayer there, and believers, Egyptians, they will go from Cairo and, li- and go and live in that place where we dedicate the place and live there and start 24-7 prayer. What happened is, if you remember history, who, when this Arab Spring started, who came to power? The Muslim Brotherhood. Remember, the guy was really doing terrible things to Christians. And I don't know if you remember the first year or so, the, the Muslims were persecuting the Christians and they were burning churches everywhere and really hurting the Christians there. So the Christians decided to have a day of prayer and they called it to all the believers in Egypt and they didn't have a place to meet, so they met in a cave. There's a Cairo cave, a church that meets in a cave. And all the Coptic and born-again believers, some of them, and other born-again believers got together and guess what, to pray and fast. And you know how many Egyptians showed up? About 30,000 Egyptian believers to pray. And then they put it in the internet and they said almost one million Arab believers joined them in prayer and fasting for the change of their regime. And guess what happened? He came down. And then the other guy took over and the first thing he did, what did he do? He put all the Muslim Brotherhood in jail where they belong. And in the war that we had in, with, with Gaza and Hamas, who were our allies? Egypt. That scripture is being fulfilled in front of our eyes. Let me just share with you another thing. With all this happened that started in Egypt and then in Syria, according to the scriptures, you know, you know there's about almost 3 million refugees from Syria that are in Turkey, Lebanon, and Jordan. So all these Muslims are running to those places. And guess who is reaching out to them? The believers. Not the Muslims. In fact, the Muslims from those countries are abusing them and taking advantage of them. And terrible things are happening. I don't have time to tell you. But I tell you what we have done. We, the Jewish believers and Arab believers, we have sent a team just last year, a team to Jordan. And you know what we did? Here we are, Jewish and Arab believers from Israel, joining the believers in Jordan, going to the refugee camps of the Muslims, refugees from Syria, and providing food and supplies. And those Muslims are in total shock. Why are you doing this? Well, because we love you. We've been praying for you. And, and they're so open, and they're giving them Bibles, and they're praying with them and have Bible studies everywhere, and Muslims are coming to the Lord left and right. The, the believers, I'm talking the believers in Jordan and Lebanon, so a miracle has happened. You know, we could not go to those Muslim villages in Syria, but God brought them to us. And they're so open to the gospel. And I'll finish with this. There's one now in Egypt. They say about almost 40 houses of prayer all over Egypt now. They're saying that there's a church in Cairo, that they have a, a baptism place in the church, Available because almost every day, almost every day, an ex-Muslim gets a vision about Jesus and comes to church and asks those believers what's going on. And they're sitting there praying. So they'll come, let's tell you. They share the gospel with him and baptize him every day. This is what God is doing in our days. Somebody says hallelujah. Why am I excited? 
I'm excited because the word of the Lord is true. What he, he promised, he fulfills, and it's happening in front of our days. We're seeing Jewish people, we're seeing Arab people coming to the Lord like we have never seen before. See, if you want bad news, you go and watch CNN. <laughs> but I've come this morning to bring you good news. God, the Holy Spirit, is working in the Middle East. And we are meeting all the time, all the time. Ex-Muslims are coming to the Lord. We're meeting all the time Jewish people where the veil has been lifted off and they see Yeshua as he is. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Why I'm excited? Because I see the Lord preparing his bride. And who is the bride? I mean, for almost 2,000 years, as I shared it yes, last night, and I'll finish with that. As I shared last night, for almost 2,000 years, the bride was half. Why? Only the Gentile part. But now, God is restoring the Jewish people and is removing the veil from their eyes. And God is bringing the one new man together. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. I don't know, we have time for more testimony or shall I finish, Pastor? Yeah? I want to take five minutes with your permission and share with you about the Muslim that came to faith in our ministry. Would you, do you have five minutes? I mean, I live tonight, so this is your chance, you know. <laughs> I'll do it very short. It will really, as you say, bless your socks here. Really bless your socks here. <clears throat> we have to get this coffee shop, this evangelistic center in downtown Tel Aviv. And one morning, this guy walks in, and I can look at him, he's a Palestinian Arab. And he says, are you obvious? I said, yes, and he gives me this brochure we give, this leaflet for free cup of coffee. I said, can I have coffee? He said, sure, sit down. So I fix him a cup of coffee. And he said, Avi, thank you for coffee, but I want to talk to you about, you know, your friends, they gave me last night at the beach, they gave me this, and they told me about God, and, but I have so many questions. I said, sure. And I could hear from his accent that he's a Palestinian Muslim. And he goes, okay, Avi, this is my story. Listen, my name is Suheb, yes, I'm a Palestinian Muslim, yes, and I was born in Hebron. And, and Hebron is in the West Bank. And then I, when, I, when I was born, my mother died. So my father married another woman. You know, in the Muslim religion, they can marry more than one woman. So uh, I really never knew my dad. And I just joined the Muslim Brotherhood. And I said, great. And then he said, um, I really, they doctorate me how you Jews took our, our land and how you killed our people. So I was really trained how to be a suicide bomber. I said, hmm, I have a suicide bomber in my coffee shop. <laughs> this is great. This is getting better and better every day. <clears throat> so I'm listening. So after he tells me, he said, one day my, one of my friends prepared a, a, a bomb. He was explaining how to do that and exploded in his hands. And it really killed him and it really shocked me. And I decided I want nothing to do with this religion. I want nothing to do with the Muslim Brotherhood. So I left Hebron and I went to Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? Because there is more Arab Christians there in Bethlehem. There is more Christians there. So he went to Bethlehem to be far away from these guys. Well, they found out where he is. So they came, those gangsters came after him and said, we want you to come back. 
we have trained you, we want you to be a suicide bomber. And he said, no way. So they, what they did, they beat him up, they stabbed him, and left him bleeding on the streets of Bethlehem. He almost died. So he's telling me this story. He said, somebody called the, the ambulance, and they took me to the hospital, and I was in hospital for two months recuperating for what they've done to me. And I was so fed up with all this Islam and all this stuff, and I said, wherever I go, they follow me, those terrorists. So... I decided, that's what it tells me, I decided to sneak in to Tel Aviv and I'll be with the Jews. So he somehow went over the fence and came to Tel Aviv. He was looking for a job, went to a, to a restaurant and said, do you need somebody to wash your dishes? Yeah, sure, come. So I'm working in a restaurant washing the dishes. And I just say, you know, it's beautiful beach, beautiful weather, I sleep here at the beach. And then I met your friends, you know, with the guitar singing songs about Jesus. So I want to know, well, what is all this stuff you believe in? So I told him, you know, we, we, are, we are Jews and non-Jews who worship God, love God, and, and love Yeshua, Isa, the prophet, like it is written in the Quran. And he goes, oh. And then he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now he's getting very serious. And you know, uh, in, in the Middle East, when we really get serious, we really get very close. You know, every time I come to America, I have to watch myself because... <laughs> In America, they like space. Where in Israel, there is no space. Okay, I want to talk to you now. I'm serious. This is our culture. So he's getting very close. Can I pick on you, Pastor, just for a second? Okay, then I'll pick, I'll pick on him. I'll pick on him. I'll pick on him. I'm afraid you may slap me. I don't know. <laughs> this guy is dangerous. He has guns. I'll tell you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't say anything. We believe about uh, to have the right to bear guns. Uzi guns, especially. <laughs> and how, can I continue, sir? Yes, okay, so we're getting very close. And then this guy, Suheb, asked me a very important question. He goes, Avi, why God hates me? Why Allah hates me. And then I realized as a Muslim, all he has seen all his life is the God of hate and violence. And I just, I just looked at him and I said, God doesn't hate you. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And I love you. And I just gave him a big hug. And these guys start crying. Start crying on my shoulders. And as he was crying, he looks to me and said, how, what do I need to do? How can I know him? I said, oh, very simple, Suhab. Give me your hands. Let's pray. And right there, he prayed and accepted Yeshua as his Savior and Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> this was just the beginning of the story. There's another half part of the story that you must hear. You see, here he came and he started Bible study and we baptized him and we joined, he joined our congregation. Just think for a moment. I'm from the Israeli Air Force. I was forced in the Israeli Air Force and they had reserves every year up to I was 45 years old in the Israeli army. And here's this Palestinian ex-Muslim and I'm baptizing him and now he's fellowshipping in a Hebrew Messianic Jewish congregation singing Adonai Yeshua. Hallelujah. <laughs> Unheard of. And the people in our congregation just loved him. He needed clothes, food, just loved him. 
And he was with us for what, two, 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 three weeks, something like that. And suddenly disappeared. And nobody knew where he went. We called him. We tried to find him at the place he was working. We could not find him. And then a couple of days later, he calls me at the kids' center and said, Avi, I'm so sorry. I said, where have you been? He said, I'm so sorry. You know, I've been illegal in Tel Aviv. I walked down the streets. The police arrest stopped me. I didn't have my papers. They realized I'm from Palestinian, from Hebron, and blah, blah, blah. So they arrested me and put me in jail. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. He said, I, you know, I was expecting it because I was illegal. And then he said, but Avi, please, I don't have family. Will you come and visit me? Will you bring me some toiletries, some undershirts and so on? Will you come and visit me? I have nobody to visit me. And please bring me an Angel. Bring me a New Testament. Bring me a Bible in Arabic. I said, sure, no problem. Tomorrow morning, I'm there with my wife. So we drove all the way, because they put him in a jail called in the north of Israel by Bethshan. So we drove for two hours, and we got to the jail. And you must listen to this. Here's the jail. And in Israel, we allow the Palestinians to visit their people in jail. Not, not like what they've done to us when they took this guy, this Israeli guy, they don't allow us to visit. But we, we are a democratic, democratic country, and we have the freedom. So here is the, all these Palestinians coming to this jail to visit somebody in jail that was a terrorist or whatever. And here I am, me and my wife, standing in line to go to jail, and we are surrounded with Muslims. <laughs> they look at me, they know I'm Jewish, I look at them, I know they're Muslims, and they are not happy. <laughs> and I'm standing in line, and they, they, they hatred because they think, what is this Jew doing here? Unless he works for the Mossad, the Israeli intelligence. <laughs> well, I don't work for the Israeli intelligence. But I don't know what to do, so what do we do? We're in line, and you can see the hatred. I thought, they're going to beat me up. So I'm just, what do we do? Okay, Lord, help. And I'm just praying. And we're getting to the door. And here is the policeman, the Israeli policeman. He looks to me and he said, who are you? I said, I'm Avi. Yeah, what are you doing here? Well, I came to visit Suheb. And here comes the question. Wait a minute. Is Suheb your family? What do you have to do with Suheb? What do I say? Help, God, help. (laughs) And then the Holy Spirit tells me, Avi... I'm giving you a stage. Use it. Okay, we know what to do. We preachers, we know what to do when we're given a stage. So I take a deep breath and then I speak very loud. And I have a captive audience of 30 or 40 Muslims. So I said, you see, policeman, the reason I'm here to visit Suheb, because Suheb came to my coffee shop, and we have a coffee shop in Tel Aviv, and he came because we love this prophet called Yeshua. You know, it was mentioned in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Quran that he is the prophet of God. And now you can see the Muslims are in total shock. This Jew talks about the prophet, Yeshua, in the Quran. Get out of here. And I'm just continuing. I have the pulpit. So I'm saying, you see, you see, he taught us. He's the prince of peace. He taught us if we repent of our sins and accept in our heart, then we'll have peace because he's the prince of peace. And through him, we can love one another. And these are only hope for us, for the Jews and the Arabs. And that's the reason I'm here because here I, have, I brought him some stuff and, some, and I brought him by because he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Yeah. Those Muslims were like, 
I mean, they were speechless. The policeman was in total shock. He never heard of such a thing. He goes to the microphone, takes the microphone in jail. Suheb, come quickly. The prophet Messiah has come to visit you. I was in shock. He said this. So Sueb comes. I give him a hug, talk to him, give him the stuff, give him the Bible. And I say goodbye to him. I love you. We'll pray for you. And this is the story. Two weeks later, he was released and went back. But before that, he came to visit me. He said, Avi, you will not believe what happened. What? Remember, you spoke to the policeman and the policeman did a stupid mistake. He took the microphone of the whole jail. And he said, the prophet Messiah has come to visit you. Well, everybody heard it. So after you visited me, one by one, all these Muslim terrorists, all these Muslim people came to my cell, to that place, and said, we heard the prophet has come to visit you. Tell us, what did he tell you? He said, oh, come sit down, let me read to you. And he had Bible studies on Jesus. (laughs) Glory to God. We serve an awesome God. God can use people in jail to preach the gospel to all the thousands of Muslims. You see, he's an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. He's a good God. Nothing is too difficult for him. He's in charge. He's in control. And he's coming back soon. Thank you very much. Stay standing. We're going to be singing in a moment. Wow. I guess that's all I can say. Amen? Amen. God is good, isn't He? It's amazing. I told Avi, I said, I'm preaching through the book of Acts. I'm in chapter 4. So if you do a good job in chapter 10, I'll just replay your your service. (laughs) So I I will approach chapter 10 with fear and trembling now. (laughs) What am I going to do, Lord? Yes, I need the knife. Uh, <laughs> I got a knife. Oh, you know, a butter, butter knife, butter knife. Were your socks blessed? Yeah. <laughs> the scripture says, blessed are the feet that those that carry the gospel of peace. So our socks should be blessed because they're beautiful feet. We're going to take a love offering as we sing. The basket will go through and just ask that, you know, if you're visiting with us, you know, you say, wow, what's up with this church? They take two offerings every Sunday. No, we don't. This is a special offering. Don't feel compelled to give. We just ask that uh, you give with a cheerful heart if God lays it on your heart and give as unto the Lord as we seek to bless the people of Israel. Father, as we give this offering, it's an expression of our love for you. And we ask that you'll just use it to further your kingdom. What an amazing thing you're doing as the gospel went from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth and has now come back full circle. The blood is returning to the heart. And we ask, O oh God, that you will just continue to shine your mighty Savior through the land of Israel, through our servant Avi, 
through our brothers that are the Arabs that are getting saved, the Muslims that are getting saved. You are doing a greater work than the enemy is doing. And you will ultimately win, O oh Lord. And we know that. It's good to be on the winning side. Today, as we give this offering, we give unto Christ. But Father, my spirit tells me to challenge any that is here that has not given, not of their money, not of their wallet, but have given of their heart to Jesus. If there's anyone that has not yet bowed their heart to Jesus Christ and been saved, that today they would accept Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, as their Savior and Lord today. Work in the hearts of the lost and change and encourage the hearts of the saved. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing, the invitation's open. If you're here, if you're here and you're not saved and you'd like to receive Christ, we'll take you aside in private and just introduce you to Jesus Christ. Even last week, I had a man come up and said, Pastor, I want to be saved. I said, hey, right now? He says, right now. And so we praise the Lord. You can get saved right now. You come. We have a ministry team here to pray. You need healing. Let us pray for your healing. If the ministry team is busy, please, other that are participating in that, come and continue to come and pray for folks. You come as God speaks to your heart today. You come. Oh.